Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back with me today, Dan Galinsky and Mason Cole from King James Gospel. What's up, guys? Not much. <laughs> Just hoping for a Browns W. Yeah. That's all you can hope for. Uh, today... We're kind of back into that uh, slow Cavs news cycle now that the bubble is over. But we do have something popping up here. Kyrie Irving is back in the headlines on Kevin Durant's podcast. He said, I felt like I was the best option on every team I've played for down the stretch. This is the first time in my career where I can be like that mother effer can make that shot too. Obviously talking about Kevin Durant. Um, I guess we'll just start there. Looking at Kyrie and LeBron, I guess it's not the most insane take in the world. It's obviously an indirect shot at LeBron, whether Kyrie will admit it or not. But um, over the years, who have you trusted more down the stretch? Dan, we'll start with you. Um, I don't know. It, it kind of depends to me. Um. I think earlier on, I'll say this about Kyrie. I trusted him like earlier on more than I would have LeBron in say like LeBron's first stand in Cleveland. I would have trusted Kyrie more than when the Cavs were kind of, I mean, not in like contention kind of possibility, just more in like a regular season type game. Like you give it to Kyrie and let him do his thing. I, I kind of understand where he's coming from in that way, but, um, you just there was a tweet from Kirk Goldsberry recently, or it was a retweet, I think, from this uh, ESPN researcher, basically saying over the time of 2014-15 through 16-17 regular season and playoffs, LeBron had shot 42% in clutch time, like five within five points and five minutes, and Kyrie was a little bit under that at 37, but. Um, to me, I, I I trust LeBron more just from, I guess, if there's shooters around him, which there have been for a while now, um, you just know that he's he's going to get – it's going to be a wide-open look, generally speaking, in some way. And he's a much-improved shooter now. He, he has a mid-post game that he didn't used to have, a lot better J than he used to have. Um, and – Kyrie as a closer is kind of a – I mean, the narrative's a little bit stretched at this point. I mean, he's – how many? How much has Kyrie really won? 
basically is the the guy. I, I just haven't seen enough. And LeBron is, for my money, the best, maybe the best finisher at the rim that there's ever been. So um, he can just bully balls way to the basket still in those scenarios. So I, I'll take him there. Yeah, not to take anything away from Kyrie because obviously the shot was incredible, but I feel like when you look past the shot, I mean, obviously there are moments, and I'm not saying that Kyrie is, you know, somebody who can't come through in the clutch, but I feel like, again, that, that narrative gets overstretched just a tiny bit because of that one huge shot that he made. Mason, who would you take between the two? I mean, I kind of agree with what Dan said. Obviously, Kyrie... Not only did he have big shots during his his that kind of, you know, the second stretch with LeBron in Cleveland, but, you know, oftentimes they looked towards him to take the big shot. I mean, you know, there's the stories about how LeBron would defer to Kyrie. So, I mean, Kyrie got a ton of sort of, you know, clutch moment opportunities and he capitalized on a lot of them. But the thing that you know, kind of threw me off with what Kyrie said is that, you know, he said finally he can look at Kevin Durant and have somebody else to look to in the in the closing moments. But I think that I, I definitely think he could have looked to LeBron because, you know, one thing that we saw, especially in LeBron's last year, 2018, when Kyrie was gone, down the stretch of those playoffs, LeBron had some pretty clutch moments where he just kind of willed the Cavs to victory. So I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe maybe it was less of Kyrie not having somebody else to look to and more of Kyrie not necessarily trusting LeBron, but LeBron having trust in Kyrie to hit those shots. So, I mean, I definitely think it was kind of a jab at LeBron, but I think it was a false jab because I definitely think that LeBron has shown and kind of continues to show that he can be a clutch player if need be. Yeah, I, I think he tried to kind of put Kyrie in those situations. I agree with you. And that's not to say that Kevin Durant is also not an extremely clutch shot maker because I'm, I believe that he is as well. But I loved kind of LeBron's indirect response to the indirect jab. When he was asked in the press conference, you know, on his relationship with AD, he said, you know, we're not jealous of each other. In professional sports, you have guys that join forces, two alpha males, two guys that have been dominant in a specific sport on their own respective teams, and they get together and talk about how dominant they can be, and they talk about how this is going to be this and that, I believe that jealousy creeps in a lot, and that is the absolute contrary to what we are. He says, I don't speak for other guys. I speak for myself and AD. We respect one, each other. We respect one another. Jealousy and envy have killed a lot of great things. And again, he, he, he mentioned that that can be on or off the court, but I definitely think that that was... <laughs> I liked that question, and I liked the response even better. And um, obviously, you know, sports talk media has been all over it. A lot of people bashing Kyrie. Um, I know Kendrick Perkins in particular called Kyrie a bona fide hater. If you can find the Kendrick Perkins clip of him going on a rant about the whole thing, I would recommend watching it because it's pretty funny. But, um... It is interesting to look at the dynamic of a LeBron and AD versus a LeBron and Kyrie because I do think that at this point it really kind of – we kind of know that – I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but Kyrie obviously wanted what LeBron had. Is there any disagreeance there? No. (laughs) No, I I think we definitely saw that and – I mean, that's kind of one of the things that Kyrie said when 
he went to Boston. I guess that was one of the main reasons why he requested a trade. He wanted to kind of be that that top guy, the guy who was considered the the you know I guess number one star on a team as opposed to being in LeBron's shadow. But yeah, I definitely think there was some jealousy there. Yeah, there's there's no doubt there. Um, with with Irving, you, you just you never know what what he's going to say, what he's going to do next. Um, He's just kind of, I I mean, I I don't want to say this and and just blatantly slander the dude, but he's just not that LeBron doesn't have an ego either. Obviously he does, but Kyrie's, he's just got to be, got to be in the news some way or another. And you just, you got that sense even more so here. Yeah, and I think that over time, and I, I'm glad that he's at least acknowledging, you know, KD as a player that he can defer to in a way that he wouldn't admit that about LeBron. I almost feel like that is kind of just a little bit of personal growth that, you know, he's not coming in and playing next to Kevin Durant and saying, I'm the man here. I think, you know, his experience in Boston has kind of... We saw reports that he kind of, you know, realizes, you know, how difficult it can be to be the number one guy. But I think, obviously, he can't admit that, you know, he would defer to LeBron now because he didn't. And that would just, he, he can't do that. But um, in a response video to all of this, he says, Why must it always be brother against brother? Why? If I'm addressing anyone, I'll say their name. Come on, y'all, don't listen to the false narratives. Let people live their lives. It's just a game. Talk about the art. Talk about the sport. You talk openly. You talk freely. But because we live in a clickbait society, it becomes something bigger. You don't have to defend it. That's just what media is. It's entertainment. I'm not going to let it pit me against or put me against anybody anymore at any point because that's not what I'm about. That's not what it's about. That just seems like a total deflection and another very, very wordy Kyrie kind of defense mentioning, you know, clickbait and narratives and false narratives and whatever else. I don't know. I'll ask this. How long until Kyrie stirs up the pot again with something else? Dan, how long? It, it, would you say 10 games into next season, whenever next season starts? How long until we hear Kyrie say something else stupid and he's in, back in the news? I think it'll probably be at the quarter pole. It seems like that's generally about the Kyrie clip. Um, about every 15 to 20 games, it seems like there's something else. Um, of course, this is like the harmonious time when uh, him and Katie haven't actually played a game yet together. And he's saying all these things and propping him up, which, I mean, I can understand where he's coming from. He was on his podcast. What what else is he going to do there? But when there's when actually game actual games play out, and there's a clutch situation when Katie shoots a ball and doesn't pass it back to him. when he has his hands held out for it. That's when we'll see it happen, and it'll pro- I'd say 15 games in is, is about the Kyrie click or uh, clip. I would have to agree with that. Yeah, I think I mean, pretty much just like Dan said, all it's going to take are a couple of games where, you know, Kyrie defers to KD, or you know, there's a miscommunication on the court, or something happens. That's always going to happen with Kyrie. We'll see him in the media. He always has something to say. Um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's going to be a continual thing, probably like for the rest of his career, I would think at least. I don't know if there's anything that's going to change that, but 
Yeah, I I would say quarter the the quarter mark is probably correct. I really want to have optimism that this whole thing in Brooklyn can work because I I think that KD and Kyrie are two incredible players whose games strictly on court you know abilities complement each other pretty well, but with the two fragile kind of egos that the two of them have. If something goes wrong, I just feel like that could blow up in their faces so bad. And I know that they're friends, but Kyrie will will start acting weird like he always does, and then that'll upset Kevin Durant, and then it'll just be like... I don't know, there'll just be so much passive aggressiveness there all season, and I... that. That Nets team could really, really, really blow up. It's also um, tough when you have when you're going to have three head coaches on the same team as well. <laughs> yeah, that that's another <laughs> that's another good point. And I know that Steve Nash is kind of you know Katie's guy. Hopefully, you know he can develop a relationship with with Kyrie as well. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Over the years, you know, how how is your opinion, Mason, we'll start with you. How is your kind of just, you know, your thoughts on Kyrie, how, how have they changed over the years? You know, from his time in Cleveland to kind of, you know, at the time of the trade to in Boston to where he is now, you know, have your feelings towards him changed at all? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I guess... You know, in Cleveland, I was a giant fan of Kyrie Irving just because, you know, he was, number one, really good. (laughs) And, you know, usually he was able to stay out of the press and kind of just, you know, he and LeBron fit really well together. And and then when the trade, when he requested the trade, it kind of, you know, threw me for a loop because I guess it just wasn't something I was expecting from Kyrie. And then I guess just ever since then, it's been... Not, I just haven't really been surprised with anything that Kyrie's done. Like, you know, he went to Boston and, you know, they, you know, there were issues there, obviously. And then, you know, when he, when he left and went to Brooklyn and, you know, immediately gets injured and kind of that first season goes down the, you know, it it just doesn't go anywhere because he and Katie are both injured. Just nothing with Kyrie surprises me anymore. I guess that's kind of where I am with him. Nothing that he says, nothing that he does surprises me, but... I still respect him for, you know, being the guy to help us win a championship. And I still think he's a really good player. It's just, you know what you're getting when you bring Kyrie Irving onto your team. And that's kind of where I stand with him right now. Yeah, Mason kind of hit the points I was kind of getting at or getting going to get at. But yeah, um, with Kyrie, we get it. Um, The guy's... uh, Special basketball player. I mean, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts there. He's an incredible shot maker. For my money, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I'm a Cavs fan. He's just got the best handle I've ever seen um, in game. He's just, just can't can't teach that, obviously. 
Um, his fishing, finishing ability for a guard was honestly that's what I always like like the most out of his game, really more than anything else, even more than the shots. Um, for for a guard, I just thought that was unreal. His his English off the glass was something else, but um, with him, it it just seems ever since the trade request, I mean. There are rumors, trade rumors. I mean, we've heard them with Kyrie. I mean, he seemed to have known about those. I can kind of understand where he was coming from to an extent, um, just based on his mindset being, uh, I guess, Kobe worshiper to some extent. Um, he, he wanted to be the guy. I get it. But it, it just seems that he says he really – he. Seemingly wants to be fully committed to winning, but uh, in Boston, they he had a pretty damn good roster construction around him. I understand he got hurt, but they vastly underachieved for all that was around him. And I, I just – he tries to be like a leadership presence, yet the guy will straight up just not pass to open shooters a lot and – I just I don't know how this is. I just think this situation in Brooklyn is going to be disastrous. Honestly, um, the guy's never really. I understand he's always been injury prone because he's thin, but the guy. I, I don't know if it's still the case, but he changed to being vegan. Yet is thin and is very injury prone. It just seemed he's just an odd dude in general. I, I just I don't understand what his motivations in basketball seem to be since that ring. It just seems like he's kind of gone off on in his own stratosphere at this point and trying to be something he's not. Honestly, the guy's a number two. He always will be. And he's just a pain in the ass. There's nothing else to say um, than that. And just incredible basketball player. I love watching him play, but he's just not a winner. That's, that's it. Yeah. And, you're talking about you know him wanting to take that leadership role, especially in Boston. But another thing is just the something that's always been there with him is just the lack of communication. You know, when he's when when a problem arises, he just kind of and he did it the same thing in in Cleveland, just kind of isolates himself and doesn't talk to anybody. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how Kyrie's career would have played out if LeBron never came back to Cleveland, because I think at that oh. point he was still totally bought in. You know, I mean he. Had free agents lined up, you know, that he had recruited. I think Gordon Hayward was one of them. Mm-hmm. Was Channing Fry one of them? I forget. But, yeah, I um, think he was. I think they had I, Channing Fry. Yeah, I think Fry you're right, too. yeah. Pretty sure. But um, it, it'd be interesting to see if he – because when LeBron came, I feel like, you know, that wasn't something that he was thrilled about, you know, deep down. And I think he just kind of had to bottle up that, you know, bottle up those emotions for a while. And obviously they ended up pouring out. Because Kyrie wasn't always like this. He, you know, early on in Cleveland, he wasn't like this. And again, I think maybe he always was, and he just tried to hide it as best he could until he just couldn't anymore with it, you know, with the request of the trade. But it, do you think he would still be that way, the way that he is right now, if LeBron had never come to Cleveland, Dan? Yeah, I think that was um, the opposite there. Um, I, I just. Kyrie, again, is an incredible basketball player. There's no doubt about that. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, 
honestly, I think he's he's a guy that should have his jersey retired by by the Cavs at some point. Absolutely. Just for what he did. Absolutely. That seems like a no-brainer. But um, to me, yeah, he's it, it would have been the similar thing. I, I mean, how much longer would Kyrie have? Would, have? would we have been a playoff team if they got Gordon Hayward? Honestly, I don't know. Um, his his style as a as a lead guard, he's going to put up numbers. His team, frankly, is just not going to be a winner the way he plays. He's he's never really understood how to really be a plus player in the team sense. Is a nothing defender. Uh, I mean, he gets he gets steals. He he gets leak out steals that sort of thing. Um, has always been an injury prone player. I, I just I question the actual. I mean, how much is he really bought into winning and trying to get his teammates involved? I, I've just never seen it enough from him. You saw it in Boston the f- early on. He, he seemed to be really taking strides as a passer, but. Uh, just for as gifted of a player as he is, there, there's just something metal there that we, I honestly just don't know with him. And it just seems to, he seems to drive teammates away from him. And I, it, with, I thought LeBron being here would have helped him. And it, it, I just think for him, I, I don't ever see his teams as really being winners. I, I don't know, honestly, if, Brooklyn gets through the first round next year in the playoffs. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't. I think his career would have flamed out here really soon if LeBron didn't come. We we probably would have ended up trading him after like a year and a half into that. Just from my perspective, I, I just I never. Kyrie is just not a guy that you can build around long term. He's not a guy that sets an example. He, and as you said, he's not a communicator for whatever reason. Um, and he just seems to, like he said, well, I, if I were calling somebody out, I'd say their name. No, he wouldn't. He's done this stuff before and he's just a petty guy. He still has, I mean, barely played in Cleveland since the very first game yeah. here. Has he played a game yet? I, I feel like he's missed pretty much every has. one. I don't think he's played a game he, in Cleveland, yeah, he played the in one a Celtics or Net yeah. Jersey. And I, I'm pretty sure he hasn't. And just that sort of stuff with him, uh, I, I just I – I think it would have been a lot worse because it just – he would have been a massive head case from there, just from my perspective. Mason, do you think that the, the Kyrie weirdness would have been what, – what do you think the trajectory would have been? Would it have been the same? Do you think – I don't know if I'm in agreement that we would have traded him a year and a half in. I think you keep trying to make it work. But – yeah, and especially, I mean, he had just signed an extension then too, hadn't he? So yeah. he was under contract for a while still. It definitely. How do you think been, that that whole thing would have played out? It definitely would have been weirder because you got to consider. I mean, I de- I don't think they would have. I definitely don't think they would have made the playoffs that same year because I mean, even if they get you know Gordon Hayward and Channing Frye, you'd have a team with a nucleus that would have been Kyrie, Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett. You know, Tristan Thompson. It would have just been a weird team. And I don't think they, I definitely don't think they would have done a ton of winning. I don't think they would have gotten that far. And, you know, even if Kyrie had stuck around, I still think that he eventually would have gotten to a 
uh, like the sort of restless point where he's at now because I just don't think they would have done that much winning. I mean, you know, after LeBron came back, obviously, you know, they go to, you know, multiple straight finals. Kyrie at least seemed content at most points because they did a lot of winning. But if like if LeBron never came back, who knows if they would have gotten to the playoffs or how far into the playoffs they would have gotten. I just think that no matter what situation you put around Kyrie, I don't think there's a perfect situation for Kyrie. And I think that basically no matter where he's at, you know, including Brooklyn, I just think that things are going to be a little bit weird when he's on your roster. Now, you know, if Kevin Durant's able to come back healthy, obviously Brooklyn's going to have a chance to be a pretty successful team. But it's still going to be weird as long as Kyrie Irving is there. Yeah, and that's another interesting hypothetical is, you know, the Cavaliers probably keep that pick. You know, is Andrew Wiggins on the team? Is Do the Cavs decide that they want to keep their if – if they want to keep their pick, are they not drafting for someone else? Yeah. Do they go with Joel Embiid? You know, I, I know that um, – I think it was in a Tanking to the Top, which is the new, like, Sixers book that was out this summer by Yaron Watsman, Weitzman. But um, the, he mentioned that um, the Cavaliers absolutely loved Joel Embiid in, like, pre-draft workouts. And I think he may have gotten hurt at one point, and maybe that would have swayed their decision back from drafting him. But That would have been it, an interesting personality clash, Kyrie and Joel Embiid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie would have been kind of an interesting yeah. personality clash. I mean, Wiggins has always seemed like more of a just kind of stick-to-himself guy, but... You know, just the – if those two were to have any problems with each other, again, kind of in a similar way with, you know, KD and Kyrie, I feel like that really could have blown up just because neither of them are really talkers. And who knows? You know, maybe if, if Gordon Hayward comes and they're friends and, you know, that's something that, that Kyrie recruits him, maybe, you know, that ends up working out and that makes Kyrie happy. But – um any last thoughts before we move on here, either of you? I I don't want to completely badmouth Kyrie Irving, but he's he's got a ways to go. And the thing is, he's he's already twenty eight. I mean, if yeah. he he hasn't figured this out yet, and I just I don't think he ever will. And he's just I don't think he understood how how great he had it here. Um, and I, I mean maybe if the Cavs don't trade him and he eventually plays out that year. Maybe LeBron comes back. Maybe he doesn't, but it would have been really interesting to see Kyrie here after LeBron, LeBron yeah. had would have left. I mean, then, then we really would have seen how Kyrie Irving is even more so. Yeah, I agree with that. That would have been interesting to see. And I don't, cause that's I what his think... dad and him would have wanted technically. I mean, yeah, but, yeah, we can move on from this. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the pre-draft interviews that we've seen. Um, just, you know, the, those kind of combine Zoom calls. Um, we'll start with – we'll touch on Denny Abdia, who – and, again, you know, you're supposed to say all the right things in a pre-draft workout interview or just a pre-draft interview. But Abdia seems to be a guy who – is potentially raising his stock with all of this. You know, he's said all the right things as far as being, you know, team first, you know, saying he'll bring, you know, whatever he needs to bring to whatever team drafts him. 
He says he's going to be an energy guy, that that's something he'll bring to any team. He specifically said, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a very good organization. And um, I'll do whatever it takes, no matter who selects me. How is your, has your opinion changed of Denny at all throughout this? I mean, personally, we've seen him, we've watched him as a player, but not having him really be in college, we don't see him in the news as much, in the media as much. I think it was good to just kind of see him as a person. And I think that this was valuable and it's, it's raised my opinion of Denny a little bit. Yeah, I think, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I've, Denny's kind of been my top guy through the whole process. I would be pretty happy if the Cavs were to land him with that fifth pick. And, you know, it's, it just, I guess it makes it a little bit easier of a decision if he's there just for him you know seemingly being a pretty team first guy saying that you know he's an energy guy willing to willing to play you know i guess in in the system with the cavaliers but you know i i would definitely be be i would be down for denny avdia if the Cavs are able to select him with that fifth pick dan yeah simon was or i'm sorry (laughs) simon i mean mason was uh (laughs) was all over that uh, Denny, uh, he's not going to be a guy that's going to hurt himself in these interviews. Uh, team first is definitely um, pretty much encompasses it's all encompassing when it comes to him. And this kind of just reiterated that for me. Um, I, I don't know what else he's really going to say. Uh, I think the only guy that really be kind of probably didn't help himself in these interviews this far is probably Lamelo. So. Yeah, I was going to get to LaMelo. He hasn't really revealed much about, you know, as far as teams that he's spoken to. You know, he said that he hasn't talked to the Cavs in particular. Um, He says that he has, he's answered yes to, you know, saying, you know, have you been in contact with the Knicks? We kind of know that's the team that he wants to go to. But um, do you see him being kind of just another, you know, personality problem wherever he goes, Dan? I don't know if he really does, but um, I, I think he, he's he's young. He'll learn that stuff, um, at least to get the optics down more. But um, I, I just I think lot he'll be able to kind of be mentored from Lonzo. Uh, that, that's a nice guy to be able to rely on for um, how to get through the kind of media gauntlet coming with Lavar, and I think it. I mean, I, he won't say it publicly, but I think LeVar, I think now kind of understands that he'll, when push comes to shove, he'll kind of let things take play a back out. Seat. Yeah, take a back seat. And um, I, I'm not, I, I don't think that's too much to read into with Lamelo. He just seems to be, he's just a young dude. He'll, he'll figure that stuff out. He wasn't, um, I mean, he was overseas and it probably just leading up to the draft, he'll. Yeah. He's probably just not going to reveal much, but it didn't really change. I guess it's not for the Cavs. I I wouldn't, it wouldn't be like deterring me from Lamelo anyhow, but I don't think in these interviews he's necessarily going to be strengthening his case, but that's all right. Yeah, I I still think, I don't know how much for a guy like Lamelo, what he even says here, unless he just, you know, completely blows up and says something stupid. Yeah. I, I think that the teams that like him like him. The teams that, you know, will pass on him will pass on him. I don't think he'll fall to the Cavs at number five. I don't think there's any world where that happens. But, hey, maybe if they do, they trade him back to the Knicks and Cavs get 
Mitchell Robinson and everything as well. But um, uh, Killian Hayes is another one that we've seen that, you know, just isn't really interested in coming to Cleveland based off of reports from a while ago now saying that, you know, he hasn't really talked to the Cavs at all. He wasn't going to work out for him just because I think it was his agent or something was talking yeah, about how, you know, on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland doesn't want to bring in another point guard. And I'm assuming when he says that he means I don't want Killian Hayes to go to a team that has two young point guards and, you know, Dante Exum and Kevin Porter Jr. is going to handle the ball a lot. But, um, Dan, I know you were talking about Tyrese Halliburton. I haven't really seen a lot of his, like, interview process. Have you, have, how much of that have you seen? Um, I, not a whole lot, but I, I did see on um, a video, like a Twitter video from, I want to say, Nick's videos, um, basically just saying that, um, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton said, I-, I can't remember if he said he did interview or not with the Knicks yet. I think he said he did, but it was pretty much just saying, um, he said, I'll start, I'll come off the bench that I, I think he just named like their rattle off their point guard situations and said how, um, it could be a dynamic group if he were to be added into that was, I mean, didn't really say anything too concrete, but was not like anti Knicks, but um, he, it just, I mean, I think Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report pretty much said how um, what he's hearing is Halliburton's not doing him, or is, is not doing himself a disservice because he seems to be um, teams seem to be kind of more drawn to him maybe than before just because he's a guy that's so invested into winning um, kind of that team first guy, just like Denny um, Avdia type um, high IQ player um, is a worker. Uh, but that's, that's about all the gist of it for me. I, I, I don't remember. I didn't see too much where he's drawn to like one said team though. Really? Yeah. And I'm sure we'll see, you know, from Okoro and whoever else we'll see coming out, you know, with these interviews Did as time see- moves forward. Do you see um, Okoro, what he said recently? I haven't, no. Oh, okay. Well, I I think it was like a piece from Adam Zagoria Forbes, I believe. Um, I want to say it was either yesterday or like sometime this week when um, he basically said, Isaac Okoro said that um, I I don't pretty much like he thinks he should be the number one pick um, and kind of touched down how how, um, he'll just do whatever his coach like head coach ass of him and um, his, I, I don't remember exactly who it was. Maybe it was like his AAU coach or something pretty much said that he's not a guy that's wanting to team up with like the best players and open runs or in leagues. And he's always been kind of a guy that's t- elevated talent around him that necessarily wasn't on that level um, did in high school and, seemingly helped Auburn a lot in that way is just kind of that sort of thing. But he didn't say it. It didn't seem like an arrogant type of thing. It was more just, he seems to, he'll do go wherever, but he thinks he should be in the conversation, that sort of thing. I mean, he's, he's not going to be a number one pick, but it was just kind of just showed that he's a team first guy. And that just, I don't know. I would think based on what he said, it probably wouldn't hurt his stock for the, from like the Cavs sense. Oh, no, I, I think 
it's 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 okay to have that confidence. I think, you know, he obviously he's not going to be the number one pick, but you're okay with him feeling like he can be the best player in this draft. And obviously, you want to hear that you know he's going to do whatever his coach wants of him. And coming to a team like Cleveland, that's not going to be the best team in the league next year. It's also kind of nice to hear that you know he's not the guy who's looking to you know be a part of the best team. That you know he can work with what he's got essentially. But um, any final thoughts from either of you before we get out of here? Nope. That's that's about it. I'll, I guess all of it is Colin Sexton doesn't play golf. That's all. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It's true. Yeah, obviously. He does not, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming my golf swing wouldn't look much better. but Yeah, you and me both. But that thing was kind of looked like he was like half putting it a little bit. That was I rough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the best. All right, well, we'll get out of here then. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Mason and Dan, for coming on. Always fun talking with both of you. Um, If you enjoyed, subscribe, uh, leave a review, leave a rating, all that, and uh, we will see you next time. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.